Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the HVC podcast. This is only our second episode, uh, and I'd like to introduce Josie. Hi, thank you for having me, Dr. Bot. She is one of our Echo Techs, and um, you know, she had some great questions, and I felt that probably others have the same questions. Uh, again, the goal of this program is to educate any provider or staff in common clinical cardiovascular scenarios so we could basically better help our patients. Um, the podcasts are not meant for medical education or medical advice and should not be used as such, and they do not substitute, do not substitute for individualized treatment by a healthcare provider. So after that, uh, we're going to get started. Um, question number one, and I think you have a joke first, right? Yes. So we'll start off with the joke. Why did the skeleton not play football? Why? Because his heart was not in it. <laughs> so with the heart, athlete's heart, um, you know, we hear these stories every once in a while about these athletes who just go into cardiac arrest right on the football field or on the baseball field or running. Um, what, what is that? Why, why does this happen? Well, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, the normal heart is going to respond to exercise, especially with heavy weight-bearing exercise with hypertrophy, not to a pathological degree, but some thickening. But usually the heart function and the cardiac output is normal, unless there's some underlying problem like a bad valve or, or, or a heart blockage. I think the unique there's basically two unique situations where we see sudden cardiac death in athletes. Um, one is a complex condition called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, or HOCM. The second is uh, called commodio cortis. So the first condition, HOCM, or otherwise known as IHSS, or idiopathic hypertrophic subaortic stenosis, it's actually a purely genetic disease that one in 200 people have it. It's a complex genetics. Uh, it could involve 11 genes with up to 1,500 different mutations and, uh, and sometimes combinations of these mutations. It's characterized not just by thick left ventricular muscle, but specifically the tunnel where the blood leaves the heart through the aortic valve called the left ventricular outflow tract or LVOT has thickening and blockage or a gradient there. The aortic valve is actually normal. The patient has a harsh murmur that's louder with certain maneuvers like expiration, valsalva, standing, or dehydration. And that's a very common board question on cardiology boards, internal medicine boards, and nurse practitioner boards. Um, so this is why you avoid diuretics in these patients. You don't want them dehydrated. Now what happens in an athlete that you don't know has this condition, they're doing heavy exercise, they get dehydrated, and they're prone to severe obstruction. And then they get ventricular tachycardia and even sudden cardiac death. So that's what you hear about sometimes. Mm -hmm. So athletes that have this, unfortunately, you have to restrict competitive sports. So we get consults in the clinic. 
for sports physical when the high school or college athlete has a murmur and we should get an echo on these patients. In Europe, they get echoes on most college athletes and most professional sports do this too to avoid not knowing about this condition. I think that's a good idea to do that. Mm-hmm. MRI is useful and can be helpful in the higher risk patients. Now the treatment for these patients is beta blockers and in high risk patients, defibrillators or AICD. Now the second condition, not as common, commodio cortis. This is sudden blunt trauma, usually in young males, average age 14, the chest wall and the sternum and the the um, ribs are still not fully developed. And so they go into ventricular tachycardia. And this is why you see defibrillators in many um, youth sports fields. Okay, so to all our athletes out there, stay hydrated. And so my other question is, that's when you see, you know, you go to a middle school, say I were to go to a middle school football game, um, this bigger, the eighth grader runs into the sixth grader, the sixth grader just falls flat into cardiac arrest. Yeah, obviously we don't want to see that, but that could be what happened. And that's why uh, I know in baseball, my kids did wear chest protectors and you're seeing that in different sports mm-hmm. and they have defibrillators in most the the high school and the um, youth sports now. Mm-hmm. I played softball when I was younger, and we even had the Under Armour shirts that had the compressions in them, too. Um, So you talk about left ventricular wall thickness. Um, You know, that and blood pressure go hand in hand. We deal a lot with blood pressure and wanting to keep that stable and all that. How does the blood pressure affect that left ventricular wall thickness? So, you know, I think of the left ventricle as a very dynamic organ. Um, It adapts, you know, minute to minute as we do different things, as we exercise, as we rest. But with prolonged hypertension, it can thicken and you can get uh, cardiac enlargement, otherwise known as hypertrophy. Um, And you don't want the heart walls to be thick. This goes back a little bit to the hypertrophic in that If the patient has that genetics and they have high blood pressure, they're more likely to get, you know, the gradients where they have these terrible things happen. But in somebody without those genetics of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, they can still get concentric or the whole left ventricle can become thick. They don't really have the obstruction, but they get a stiff left ventricle, then it can become weak and both of these can lead to congestive heart failure. And the really important thing in this importance of all primary care and cardiology of treating hypertension is that this hypertrophy is reversible with good blood pressure control. Okay. Um, so you hear people sometimes say, oh, my heart's broken. I have a broken heart. But that actually is a real thing. And um, Takasubo cardiomyopathy Can you tell me a little bit more about that and what is that? Well, Takasubos actually comes from a term. It's a inverted vase used in Japan to catch catch octopus. So um, I don't know if you like octopus, but if you did, it probably came from here. (laughs) Only calamari. (laughs) 
So uh, you can imagine that, you know, pretty much the other names for this condition sort of pretty much describe it. Broken heart syndrome or apical ballooning or stress-induced cardiomyopathy. Uh, we don't really exactly know what causes this. It's definitely not from heart blockages. Um, it um, probably happens from severe sympathetic overload with coronary vasospasm. And the EKG can even look like a STEMI. And many of these patients we do take to cath uh, emergently. Um, it is typically an emotional stress, appears to be appears to be more common in postmenopausal female, but really can see it in anyone. Um, the ejection fraction can go quite low, um, and some of, sometimes they even go into shock, cardiogenic shock. Usually this improves um, to pretty much normal heart function with time and the basic heart failure medicines like beta blockers and ACE inhibitors, perhaps anxiety medicine as well. Um, are we seeing more of this with COVID? I personally have not seen it with patients who have family members or loved ones with COVID, but I have seen it in patients hospitalized with COVID because I believe of the severe physical and emotional stress. Mm -hmm. that, that makes sense. So in our office, I know we do GSV ablations, also known as great saphenous vein ablations. When we do this to that vein, it cuts off circulation in this vein. What if that patient needed to have a cabbage and you could no longer harvest that vein for the cabbage? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I actually had this question myself when we started our vein clinics about six years ago. And I asked the heart surgeons. Now, just sort of uh, background, the great saphenous vein or the GSV is the vein that runs from uh, the middle of the thigh, sort of in uh, between the legs, um, all the way down the middle of the leg to the ankle. And it drains the blood from the leg back up to the femoral vein against gravity and back to the heart. And because of uh, disease of the valves in that vein and because of gravity, it has to go against gravity, this is usually the culprit for significant vein disease and varicose veins. Um, again, it oft, often these veins have severe reflux and we decide to treat them with the vein procedures we do, especially when they have edema or ulcers. Mm -hmm. Now, previously, the only treatment for this was vein stripping, which is like a bloody procedure. But now we could close it using heat or thermal energy, using either a laser or radio frequency ablation, which is what we, we do more commonly. Mm -hmm. The newer treatment is something called Venaseal, which is a glue that doesn't use heat. Um, now, going back to the question about cabbage, you know, what is cabbage? Um, you know, there's like cabbage, lettuce, kale. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about, but we're talking about cabbage, coronary artery bypass grafting. So this is what the heart surgeons do when patient has so many blockages that they cannot get stents. Now, the vein in the leg is harvested or removed by the bypass surgeon and hooked up from the aorta to the blocked artery to bypass the blockage. So, you know, some of the vein patients we treat 
are in their 20s. So we don't know if they'll need bypass surgery in their future. It's impossible to predict. Right. Um, but we may be removing this vein and they may need it in the future. So here's what the surgeons have said, and it does make sense, that you know, they could still use the very distal part of the vein near the ankle, and that's often not treated by the vein clinics. Mm-hmm. And you know, if the vein is so diseased and dilated and refluxing, um, it's probably not going to be appropriate or able to be used for the bypass surgery. Um, it's it's not, um, it, not going to be valid for that. And so they would use something different anyways. And then the surgeon does have other options, such as using the arteries of the chest. They pretty much always use the left internal mammary artery or lima. And there's a right internal mammary artery or rima they could use and also can use the radial arteries, which make great bypass conduits. Okay. Um, so my last question is, how does drugs affect, or how does drug abuse affect the heart? You know, alcoholism, um, binge drinking alcohol, or even energy drinks. I've heard stories of somebody taking two five-hour energy drinks and they go into cardiac arrest. Um, or cocaine, you know, how do those, how do they affect the heart? Well, I think, you know, as we know, the most common drug of abuse is alcohol. And alcohol doesn't really cause coronary artery disease or heart attacks mm-hmm. that we can see. But it, you know, it, you get a couple of things. You get, uh, in alcoholism, you get severe um, malnutrition and, and vitamin deficiencies that can weaken the heart. Also, alcohol is a direct toxin to the, direct toxin to the heart so it could damage the heart uh, and make it very weak. Um, you know, even even something like binge drinking, uh, while it may not weaken the heart, it can cause atrial fibrillation, so heart rhythm problems. Um, so um, we just have to be aware of this. Um, I think uh, stimulants are another broad category. I mean, there's the, you know, caffeine, there's energy drinks, which are typically some high formulation of caffeine. Um, I see you're drinking a Dr. Pepper. Isn't that <laughs> yeah. the highest? No, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. But, I need to um, start drinking more water. Thanks but, for calling me out. <laughs> but the, uh, but the, uh, the um, you know, caffeine, you know, can lead to irregular heart rhythms called atrial fibrillation. It can lead to fast heart rhythms called SVT or supraventricular tachycardia, especially if the patient has the predisposition for those, like an extra circuit in the heart. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, it could lead to some extra heartbeats that should calm down after Mm -hmm. that's out of your system. Now, you know, the illegal stimulants, this is the cocaine, amphetamine, crystal meth. Uh, This can really cause heart attacks. And even if abused, can cause cardiomyopathy or a weak heart. Um, I think one unique situation, unfortunately, we're seeing with the crackdown on prescription drugs, abuse, um, we're seeing an increase in IV drug abuse again. And this is uh, people injecting themselves with uh, often unclean needles. Mm -hmm. And this can cause endocarditis, which uh, is a literally a bacterial ball that attaches to the heart valve um, because that's a part of the body that, you know, the, the immune system can't really fight. 
Um, usually the textbooks say this is in the right-sided heart valves, the tricuspid and the pulmonary valve, but it seems like when we see these patients, it's more commonly the mitral valve. Um, so endocarditis uh, can lead to some very bad problems, um, severe damage to the heart valve or regurgitation, leaking heart valve, an abscess literally of, of in the middle of the heart chambers requiring surgery. Mm-hmm. And then even small pieces of this bacteria can break off and embolize and go to other parts of the body and cause infections or stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, endocarditis um, is, is something uh, that can be increased by IV drug use. Mm-hmm. That, um, I see that on an echo. I see, on the echo, you can see the bacterial ball that you're talking about. Um, would you go straight in to remove it or do you do medicine, repair the valve? It really depends on the patient presentation. Um, uh, if you're seeing the, the endocarditis lesion called a vegetation, a bacterial ball, and it's below a certain size, uh, you can treat the patient with antibiotics, typically for like six to eight weeks of IV antibiotics. It's really, really important that you, we do blood cultures before we start antibiotics so we could be specific about exactly what uh, antibiotic they need. And uh, MRSA is something we, we do see in these patients. Um, in terms of emergency surgeries, sometimes done if the valve is badly damaged or there's an abscess there. Uh, oftentimes, if this is not the case, but there is valve damage or a large vegetation, the surgeon typically wants to wait for the antibiotics to, to, to work so the patient's blood is sterile. Um, but some of these are very uh, sick patients, uh, very bad situations. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for answering all my questions. Um, the heart is really an amazing organ. I agree. And um, I really thank everybody for listening in. And please send us your questions and we could uh, post them on a future HVC podcast. Thank you very much.